Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the study podcast. Uh, this has uh, been a long time, and we are here to encourage and to equip the church to love Jesus and to better serve him today. We are here to talk about ministry, talk about life. You know, the the last episode was random ramblings, and uh, that was back in October, you know, before the election here in America, and uh, way before Inauguration Day, and way before everything that's happened in the last three months of uh, 2021. I guess two months. We're starting month three, so this is uh, March 1st, and it's it's been a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the, the ministry of the church is to love the world and point them towards Jesus. And I feel like different ministers and ministries have different aspects of that, of what goes into that. Uh, You know, I I compare and contrast, you know, there's different pastors I I look up to and and kind of, you know, I I disagree (laughs) even with their theology, um, but I, I still, you know, am very thankful for for them and for their preaching and uh, you know I I am not and I can expound on that maybe in more more clear episodes not not so many rambling episodes um, of random rumblings part two I guess is what I'm going to call this one you know I, I look at John MacArthur and you know I, I definitely in my Bible time of going to Bible school and studying different doctrines soteriologically, you know, how one is saved, I do disagree with on how he states things, which, you know, is a huge thing in, uh, oh, what would you call us, traditionalists, I guess, is how Founders Ministry calls us, um, but, you know, we we agree on a, a lot of big things soteriologically, that it is God's work and wonder, I, I think, on how a person defines faith is the biggest, um, the biggest thing. And I, I feel like even from a Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 and verse 6, is that Hebrews, uh, whoever it's written by, the author is stating this, is, is that this is a choice. You know, this is a choice. You know, do you believe the revealed word of God, or do you believe, you know, as they would say it right now, do you believe the the universal um, primordial soup story that something came from nothingness, which you know, when you define it in those basic terms, just sounds ludicrous. Right? That, you know, there's not a chance of 
something coming from nothingness that you know Pascal and, and others have discovered that that does not happen. We don't believe that you know that that something came from nothing. You know we believe that ex nihilo from God, from God's spoken word, the universe poured forth and that by his word it is upheld, it's sustained, that, you know, a theistic, classical theism is that God made the world, sustains the world, and interacts with the world, that how it's defined. So, you know, what, what do we choose? Do we choose to believe the evidence that is before us about the person of Jesus Christ, or do we not? You know, and how one defines faith is a huge part of that. Is all well, is you know, faith a gift? Is faith this? Is faith that? You know, these conversations come and go. But in the factoid that I would put faith as a choice is what are you choosing to believe? You know, by faith we understand that the universe was created. The author of Hebrews looks at that. We understand that it goes back to the creational point of view. Is that, do you believe what the author of Genesis, what Moses is writing, or do you believe in the billions of years and over slow time? And yes, I understand that there's a lot of believers that try and format those things into existence by putting those things into the text and say, well, see, if you put a gap here or put a gap there that, you know, you have it, and it's like, no, you read Genesis like it's supposed to be read, like a narrative, like a historical narrative, and you understand that creation itself took place instantaneously, that God made things, and they, he spoke, and it came forth, you know, he molded man out of dirt, and he came into existence, he breathed into his nostrils, you know, these, these things are absolute biblical truths. Um, but anyways, you know, now that that random rambling is out of the way, you know, we really come back to, you know, John MacArthur, Vody Bauckham, you know, other people that, you know, are preaching the word, you know, and it's like, how can you, how can you look up to someone that you disagree with? And, you know, that is a contrast, like you want to, you know, have learned from them, people like R.C. Sproul and, and others that, you know, disagreeing with Reformed people doesn't mean we can't learn from Reformed people, you know, and it's like, yeah, I would disagree with a lot of Charismatics, but I've also interpersonally learned from Charismatics and everything where it's just like at the same time I feel like the majority of that kind of teaching would be no let's let's not preach health and wealth let's not preach God wants to bless you God wants to have your best life now which is more of a spiritualizing of the American dream than it is the gospel where it's that Jesus Christ is crucified died, buried, and risen again three days later, and that if you believe upon him, you have atonement for your sins, that that is the gospel. 
you know, so many other definitions of the gospel. I've heard definitions of the gospel being that you know, the Beatitudes are the gospel, or that you know these you know certain things are the gospels, or you know matter of factly that the gospel is the gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That that, that is people's understandings. You know, it's you know we look at the world today and we wonder what kind of grid people look at Jesus through, and I'm like, you know, he's an unknown characteristical rabbi, or he is a cuss word. You know, that is the filter that a lot of people, you know, when they see Newsweek or Time Magazine's thing in Barnes and Nobles or Walmart of who is Jesus, you know, and they pick that up, and it's like, mostly going to dive into the fact that he is either the Gnostic Jesus that we've fought against for quite a while, the you know Jesus seminar people, and all of their <coughs> excuse me glory of the early 2000s and uh, picking out the beads and deciding what Jesus said or didn't say, you know, s- seeking to be more scholarly, liberal, or correct in the fact that yes, Jesus is a historical character, but he is not what conservative, Bible-believing Christians claim him to be, or what he himself claims to be, that we need to back away from this and say, yeah, he's a historical character, but, you know, he's more likable, more of a good teacher, where it's like, as Lewis says in Mere Christianity, he did not leave that open to us, he did not intend to, that he is not some mere moral teacher, no, the man that Jesus is and said the things that Jesus did is either a monster, a psychopath that doesn't know himself from a poached egg, or he is the Lord of all. And, you know, it's such an amazing quote from Lewis. I wish I had it in front of me. But as I've seen that the random ramblings, having no notes at all is quite fun, and just talking is quite fun as well. And, you know, for anyone that's waited and waited for another podcast for me, I do apologize. But, you know, ministry is crazy. And, yeah, the study used to be our main ministry for at least a year. And it was and still is quite good to get on here and see that there are people listening and there are people hearing everything. But, you know, it's like I have really just been praying for ministries, praying for our ministry, and really coming to the point of, like, I I celebrate with people like you know, Pastor James Costa and his family that, yes, like the apostles of old, he has been imprisoned. He has been imprisoned in Alberta, Canada, because he has violated the health standing orders of 15% in Alberta, Canada. And that opens a whole slew of conversations, and we could talk about John MacArthur's stand against the L.A. Health County and everything as well, and talk about, you know, what is all of this, what is going on in America, what is going on in the world, you know, what the world is going on, right? You know, it makes me think of the book, you know, what in the world is God doing, or something like that. I can't remember the exact name, 
but it's it's the truth. It's like, what in the world is God doing through pandemic, through all of these things? And, you know, I've really come to see that he's cutting the mustard, you know, that, oh, this don't cut the mustard, right? And it's really been a clarifying time that these all these hardships, all these things, and I, I pray for the Americans, I pray for those in the world wide, you know, that have suffered with coronavirus, that have come back from the virus, that have lost loved ones because of the virus. You know, it is hard what is going on, what is happening. But, you know, we also need to be the church. You know, there were so many calls at the beginning to love our neighbor, close down, you know, and, and some of those calls came from ministries that it, it very much against the digital church, very much against what was happening with multi-site and what was going on. And, you know, now it's, it's like they've tarnished their reputation because of that. They've tarnished who they were known as and, you know, not to name names, but, uh, you know, Nine Marks Ministries was one of those that stood their ground on, on what a church should be, a visible body, all these different things. And it's like now we are literally seeing a health crisis taking down the visible body that, you know, I've, I've heard from pastors that I know that even in Arizona, yep, yeah, Arizona, I was trying to remember that, you know, every day through the height of the pandemic, he, he could go to the office, you know, and, and he'd drive to the office and he would go past this large mosque. And this large mosque had all of its adherents, all of its people flowing in every single time, doing their prayers, doing everything. And, and it's like that's where it, it edged out to me that this was a war on the church. This was a war on the assembly, you know, not discrediting anything that, yes, you know, we need to love our neighbors. Yes, we need to love those that, you know, have health deficiencies, health issues, and we need to say, hey, you know, for your stewardship of, of taking care of your you know, 97-year-old grandma or or whoever is, you know, no, you stay home with them and you take care of them. You take the precautions that, you know, the CDC has cautioned us from the get-go that, you know, if you're 65 years older and plus and you have different health complications that you are this many times likely, and especially after um, Samaritan's Purse was in New York and their numbers were released, you could see that that was true, that the people that they treated, the people that they helped, it was very true that they struggled with this or they had this, so they struggled more with COVID. So it's it's no, it's no oh, it's a conspiracy. And I, I, I would even put it into the fact that if the church isn't doing what the church should be, that the world and its systems are going to do what it does. And it's like the world, the world and its systems, as we see, are, are crushing and debilitating and, and not allowing to, you know, to have freedom, to have liberty. That the world and its systems, even with the, the constraints that our Constitution 
does put on people that are in government to not make laws against freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and all of these things that, no, we subvert all of that due to this. And it's a huge moral quandary that's been more set into the, the mob mentality of, well, what should we be doing? What, how can we react? And that if people reacted against the orders, that they are, they are mobbed, they are viciously taken down by reporters, by you know, picketers and, and everything, that the, the mob mentality of America has become, and of the world, has become something that is threatening not just religious liberties, but liberty in general, uh, freedom of speech and everything. So how do we, how do we go about that? It is a hard question to answer, right? <clears throat> you know, we can we can cling to our our constitution and we can struggle and we can fight, but at the same time, you know, we can also be faithful stewards in our time. That as as the church struggles through this, as the church goes Sunday to Sunday, that you know that we would you know start welcoming in person people. That you know, I've I've heard of churches that haven't met since last March, and it's like we just started March. You know, come in here, we'll come. What 14 days? It was the 15th of March of 2020, I believe, was the the service that it was like, yeah, we we need to think about this, and we thought about it, and we closed down, and we you know took took that time to you know seek guidance, learn how to YouTube, learn how to have you know, online Sunday schools and all this different stuff. But the more and more I I saw things that, you know, it, it's just like, no, we need to have in person. We need to open up. We need to love our neighbor by preaching the gospel and also loving on those that f for sure need to stay quarantined. You know, and the, the truth of it is that for 10 I was going to say 10 months. We lived in this time of, well, what do we do? How do we go forward? And none of that time was spent writing any books on what to do when the pandemic actually came to your town. Because when it actually came, it was, it was, it was hard. It is hard to, to deal with, to deal with an actual virus that is actually real. And none of us ever thought that it wasn't. It's just coming to the point of like, is this like the flu for some people? Or is this like a bowline where it's a toss of the coin and 50-50, you live, you die. We don't know. But we can see that the numbers just aren't adding up. And I pray for all of those that have lost loved ones. I pray for our leaders to make good choices to to go forward well. That we may live godly and peaceable lives so that the name of Jesus may resound and that the eternal would be dealt with. And the physical things matter. 
believe me, I understand that, you know, physicality, physical water, you know, all these things that we've been actually just talking about in church, you know, physical harvest matters, physical water matters, physical food water, physical food matters. But when it comes to what's been talked about in John 4, is that there's something greater than water. It's living water. There's something greater than food. It's doing the will and work of the one that has sent God the Son. You know, there's something greater than the harvest. There is a spiritual harvest of planting seeds and and reaping the fruit of eternal life. And those things matter greater than physical life, physical food, physical water, physical harvest. That these things are greater because they are heavenly things. They are eternal things, and that's that's the thing where it's like we are we are starting to see that that paradigm shift within our culture where we're more secular humans, we're more cultural Marxists, we're more Marxists or socialists that well no there there isn't the eternal. There's just the now. So we need to save the now no matter how. No matter how we go about it, extreme quarantines, extreme testing, extreme you know, safety, cleaning supplies, everything going I mean, we, we all saw the panic buying. We all saw it, you know. And uh, cleaning supplies are finally back on the shelves in the, the local Walmart that I live by. You know, and it's just like, you know, for over a year, those things were gone. And it's like, how how do we, how, how thou shall we now live in the light that, you know, as Francis Schaeffer says, that the church has been, jettisoned from the center of Western life. And we've lived with that factoid for quite a while that, you know, the church is not the center of Western life where, you know, we, we don't, we don't get to uh, inform the culture yet. We should, we don't get to transform the culture yet. We should, we get to just sit back and argue on Twitter, get poked at, get made fun of, understandably, you know, needing to, you know, signal that we are on board with certain things, whether it be this or that, depending on how the culture is swaying, that, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not good where things are heading. Because I feel like the church, because of fear, because of wanting to be accepted, is not is not going to want to be the church anymore. We are okay with not being the representative that God has called us to, and that will lead to some very bad things in our culture, and is is leading to a lot of bad things to our culture. So. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, the hard part of ministry right now is, is learning how to go about that. And, and hopefully, I hope and pray that a lot of people are going about that, of, of how do we go forward, how do we evangelize, how do we, you know, make it so that, you know, people that are 
on either side can come to church, can worship Jesus, can come to know Jesus, can you know come to know that there's community that that loves them. You know how how do we go about those things in the age that we live in? You know these are strange times, unknown times that we live in. You know so much of our culture has shifted that you know we've seen the little by little we've seen the this or that's we've seen you know the things that have happened but in the long run it's like we have seen huge shifts away from where we were and now it's like the big question of how do we go forward who do we learn from you know, and I, I have felt like we need to learn from believers that have faced intense persecution. We learn from believers that have, you know, had to decide, you know, bread or Jesus, car or Jesus, job or Jesus, you know, and we go forward with those things. You know, we, we need to learn those things. We need to learn to ready ourselves to stand courageously, to be courageous, and to take the time to love our neighbors, to speak to them about the Lord, and to also be ready and willing to go forward as God calls us, as God intentionally says to be his body, to not forsake the fellowship and yeah I know so many you know argumentations about well this is this is a time of war this is a time of following the state no matter what and it's like you know the you know the constitutional person you know is like no like this is why the constitution is written judges have said you know the constitution isn't to be altered because of some pandemic you know, and, and we can go into those those argumentations, but, you know, when the rubber meets the road, and, yes, a great piece of paper that has been given to us by men, but once that piece of paper has been rendered in effect verboten by the ruling class, how do we go on as the church? How do we, you know go forward and it's like I, I feel like this is very much a you know what I would call a Constitution Constantine crisis where it's like when Constantine you know said that Christianity is no longer illegal and, and made you know made it you know okay to be Christian in 311 AD is that there were three three reactions from the church and it really came down to wholehearted, acceptance of, you know, of saying, you know, awesome, you know, Constantine's a Christian, he's made Christianity non-legal, and then there's, you know, very much like a skepticism of, well, what's going on here, how do we go forward, and then there were very much the, you know, monastic people that went and built their monasteries and didn't really care what Constantine did, and it's like, I feel like we see all three of those reactions going on where there's a wholehearted acceptance of, you know, hey, there's, there's, you know, looking at it like, well, there's the good 
state-sponsored people that they'll, you know, the government says jump, they'll jump. You know, the government says bark, they'll bark, you know, and it's just like, well, you know, that's a little scary. Like, we, you know, we don't want to be like that. We are, you know, Christ is king over the church. He's the head over the body. We're not going to, yeah, honor Caesar, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but at the same time, render unto God what is God's, that, you know, God has domain over the secular authority, over all of these things that, you know, we we are liable, we are up for judgment because he has granted us everything. So we need to live in light of that, that, you know, Christ our King calls us to meet, calls us to, uh, you know, welcome each other with holy kisses and, and all this stuff. And yeah, you know, culturally, you know, the West doesn't smooch each other when we welcome each other, you know, but all these different things of like, you know, we, uh, we are to bear one another's burdens. And how can we do that if we're not physically present with each other and physically laying on hands and, and healing people? You know, how, how can we be the church if we have been cut into pieces? And so it's, it's like, how, how do we go forward from this? And it's like, then you, you have people that are very skeptical, very, I don't know if this is right. And then you have people that, you know, very much right off the bat, you know, went to, well, I don't care what you say, I'm, I'm going my way. And you can just take that highway over there. And, you know, I didn't... <laughs> You know, to look back on it and say, I didn't know that was an option. No one that I listened to was talking about that option at that time. You know, and, and then, you know, MacArthur and some others started standing up and saying, you know, we were we were wrong. We need to go back on this. We need to start meeting. We need to start doing what we do. And you know, I know there's a lot of controversy there a lot of different controversies of, of different statistics and everything. And it's like, I don't want to get into those argumentations here. I just, you know, want to, I guess, ramble, you know, the, the random ramblings. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we do ministry? How do we encourage people that have been made so afraid by the state authority to even meet? to even come together and meet with each other. That is a crazy specter of fear that people have been made so afraid that they're not going to come back to church, that there's churches that have not opened for a year coming in 14 days. You know, so how do we how do we go forward? You know, first we call and encourage those pastors and those elders that are still closed. Please, please open in some kind of format. Some kind of format. You know, there's ten. 15, maybe even 20 different ways of formatting it right now that you could start meeting and start meeting to encourage, to equip, to 
to be about breaking bread together. If we, the church, are not living life together and loving one another and bearing one of another's burdens, it's like then you wonder why the world has gotten so dark, don't you? I do. It's because the church has stopped shining. The church has stopped being the church. And I applaud pastors that, you know, towed the line, that said, no, we're not closing. And people came. You know? But I'm not, I'm not here to cast judgment on any. I just want to implore you to think about it, to pray about it. That I've, I've worked through a lot of that as well. And working through it has been hard. And how, how do we go forward? How do we know it's safe? I'm going to tell you right now that driving to the store is not safe. Going to the store is not safe. Getting out of bed is not safe. Brushing your teeth, doing whatever you do. You know, look at life. Is life safe? No, life is a calculated risk that you are either willing or unwilling to take. And if and if you're willing to live without the the amazing thing that God has blessed us with in coming together and being the body of Christ. And see, and this, these were the arguments that I remember hearing when I was a young Christian about, you know, the emergent church and, oh, I can meet with, with God on a golf course. I can meet with a couple buddies in a bar and, and, you know, have my theology talk. Well, yeah, those are, those are fellowship times. Those are, but that's not church brothers and sisters. That's not the, blessed thing that we call the gathering. To gather together, to worship, to sing, to proclaim Him and to be cut, be pierced through by His Word. That, that these things are, are meant not just for a singular believer, even though our Western world has hyper-individualized everything even before COVID and has now made it even more individualized because of it, but that we are called to not sit in the cubicles away from each other, not sit in sanitary conditions away from each other for the rest of our lives. No, we are called to calculate the risk, and I understand those that can't do that. I totally understand that, but, you know, as the church that can do that, I implore you to love on each other. I implore you to go forward in loving our Lord Jesus and making him known and calling people that, you know, as we come into the season of Easter, that maybe we could even plan some outside things, plan some different things, and come together as the body of Christ lovingly. You know, and I think that's a, a huge problem that's missing too, is that there is, you know, love is growing cold, and that is that is something that happens at the end of days. So maybe as, you know, people say all the time that we are 
living the book of revelation um but i i don't believe that you know i yeah the time is short the days are evil love has grown cold there's things that are taking place that would make me say yeah it's closer today than it was yesterday but i'm not going to put a date on it and put it out on a billboard that's for sure <laughs> um man that, that that was a fun ministry um but I know that we would lovingly call people to go forward, to go forward and to be about the ministry. But I want to thank you guys for joining me today. I hope and pray that you guys have a great day. I hope and pray that this is encouraging to you. And uh, just an uplifting, random rambling, you know. But life is life is hard. Ministry is hard. And I hope and pray that you are having a blessed day, and that as you go forward, that you would take it one day at a time, because so much of it can be a logistical nightmare to wonder how tomorrow is going to happen, but. As the book of James says, that we would not plan to go here or there and just do these things or those things. And I know I'm butchering it, but that we would say, if the Lord wills it. And that's that's not some kind of fatalism or you know some random things of you know this is this is what you know we are going to try. No, it's it's taking the assurance that God has given us and saying we're going to we're going to go forward in his in his time and good measure and lovingly call people to repent to come to Christ and know him more so I hope and pray you have a good day and we'll talk to you next time on the study podcast <laughs>